welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. I'm Neil. With Matthew Statler. And uh, we're excited to come back and actually close out this series on 10 questions to diagnose your spiritual health. Uh, Last time we talked uh, at length about um, being a quicker forgiver and uh, the necessity of that and how our desires over time change um, as we grow in our uh, more in the image of Christ himself, who was um, the best example of a forgiver that we have in the scriptures. Um, but today we're turning our attention kind of uh, forward facing, right? We're looking forward to eternity. Uh, and Donald Whitney poses the question, do you yearn for heaven and to be with Jesus? Matt, why, why is this such a significant question with diagnosing our spiritual health, you think? Well, I like how Whitney puts Spurgeon as an answer to that question. It says, you may judge a man by what he groans after. And uh, this this idea of a desire for the other world, uh, I think is really significant, especially in our day and age where people are driven so much by feelings, emotions, um, and, and desires. Uh, as a, as with every age, but I think in this age it's particularly pronounced. Um, in fact, funny that we should have this. This morning I was talking to my apologetic students, and we had just covered um, a section on C.S. Lewis, and he's talking about yearning for this other world. And I said, "Do you guys have that experience? Like, have you read a book, um, listened to a song, watched a movie?" Um, where you're so impacted, it almost transports you somewhere else than where you are. And they were all like immediately like lighting up, talking about it, you know, sharing their experiences. You know, one uh, young lady shared about how, um, you know, she wasn't really close with her parents. She read a book about this grandparent figure and really was like, man, I want that. I wish for that. Uh, and, I, and I think this question of do you yearn for heaven and to be with Jesus, when we are made alive in Christ and we have a, a new heart, we have new yearnings. Yeah. And the more we grow as a believer, the more we begin to yearn to be with heaven and with Jesus. Um, and I think it's only natural because this supernatural reality that is, um, as Augustine talks about, the city of God versus the city of man that we live in, our eyes are open now as believers. And so an indicator that we're growing spiritually is that we're yearning more and more for the spiritual things, not for the earthly things, the earthly realities. Um, And so for me, this question really sparked a lot of thought because um, one, I long to be with Jesus every time I wake up and my body hurts. Um, (laughs) But I think even more so, am I cultivating that? Yeah. Um, Just like I would if, you know, my children uh, were far away from me. I would yearn to be with them and to see them. I miss them. Um, And I think the greater our missing of Jesus in heaven, it's a good indicator we're growing spiritually. Yeah, and I love the opening illustration that, Whitney uses. He talks about like being a young pastor and a lot of the elderly saints always talking about just longing to be with Christ and and to and to go home, right? Essentially to go into glory and how that bugged him. 
uh, early on, you know, uh, both Matt and I are uh, younger pastors. Um, and I'm sure both of us have encountered that as well. Um, I know I have. And uh, early on, I remember thinking like, well, well, we're here right now. You know, we got, we got to work diligently to glorify God today. And almost in my mind, separating those two things. Um, so I think over time, the longer I've been pastoring, uh, I've, I've noticed those, those worlds aren't separate. They should be aligned. And I kind of think about it with, uh, and we discussed this on this podcast before, when we first come to Christ, the, the cross can seem uh, distant from us, but as we grow in maturity into Christ, the cross, are, the cross is brought more and more into focus in our lives. When we see more and more of our sin, uh, it, it transforms us more and more. We run, we want, we run to Jesus faster, quicker, right? We repent uh, quicker as well. And I, and I think the same goes for this concept here as the cross becomes more clear and focus uh, as we continue to mature in Christ, man, we, we will begin to desire him more and more to be with him more and more. And, and the Bible uses the term, groaning uh, to communicate yeah. this. Uh, we see it in Romans 8. Uh, it has a big section on it, like growing, like cha- uh, pains of childbirth, like eagerly uh, awaiting uh, for our adoption and the redemption of our bodies. Um, this, this, this is a great excerpt on that reality. Philippians 1 has another great excerpt on this reality where Paul in verse 21 says, for me to live is Christ to die is gain. And then he expounds on that idea in the next, in the following couple of verses. But, you know, those things are not separate. Uh, they are aligned. Um, and so we say, while we live, we want to live for the glory of Christ alone. And when we die, we will be into his presence and the work is completed. Right. And that, and Philippians one, just beautifully, um, uh, expose expounds on this idea, this theological sweet truth um, that we want to grow into his image um, and, and increase in our groaning and desire to be not only uh, close to Christ, but to be like him, which is kind of where Whitney moves next, right? He talks about growing uh, through our groaning, we're growing more holy. And uh, why why is that so imperative in this whole mix? Yeah, so as we are continually seeing um, beauty and holiness and perfection and seeing the lack of it on this earth, we are longing for the place where that beauty, that holiness came from. And so growing Christians, we we groan for holiness. And I will tell you, I I do a lot of counseling, you know, Neil, Neil and I both. And we see brokenness. I mean, we see the wickedness, the depravity, um, some of the stories that that him and I have heard and sat through, man, are just enough to make you go into your house and just weep for yeah. days and days um, uh, because it's, it's, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. And the more we, we think about it, the more we're desiring the rest from it, mm-hmm. um, a freedom from the way that sin entangles and blinds us. And so as a Christian who is looking with increased hope 
for this. We're also seeking um, to be more like that which we are pursuing. And so um, I highlighted this this area where he says, so the question I ask is not merely do you yearn for heaven and to be with Jesus, but also for which heaven and which Jesus do you yearn? Yeah. Growing Christians increasingly long for a holy heaven, not just a restful one. They look forward to holy relationships, not just nostalgic ones. They sigh to see a holy Jesus. And the reason is we feel less at home in a sinful world because we're becoming more homesick for the holy place. Yes. Uh, and then he quotes Jonathan Edwards, which I think is, is really appropriate. It says, but neither a longing to be in heaven nor longing to die are in any measure so distinguishing marks of true saints as longing after a mo more holy heart. I want the sin that so easily entangles me to be done with um, because it's such an affront to the holy God that I have. Um, it is kind of like realizing that you have something vile on you and you want to get it off. You can't wait to go home, strip off that clothes and get clean. Neil. Yeah. And, you know, I was studying through Revelation this last year. And one of the big themes that I continued to come across was uh, a, a couple things. One, Jesus continually says to faithfully endure, right? It's a, it's a major theme uh, when we consider the the eschaton, the, the end times, right? But then he also gives this continual application uh, to John to impart to us throughout Revelation, which is to purify yourselves. Over and over and over again, we... We see this. It, it, we see it in the uh, Olivet Discourse as well, where Jesus says to uh, stay alert, right? Uh, pay attention to these things that are happening in the world, but in the meantime, essentially purify your hearts. <laughs> and, and this is the idea that's captured here. Uh, I think that Whitney's trying to capture, as, as Matt just talked about, it's that man, we, we not only long to be with Christ and to enter the rest of Christ, but we we long to be holy as Christ is holy and enter into that that holy dwelling place. Uh, in fact, the holy, holy, holy dwelling place, right? <laughs> um, the three thrice time repeated place of perfection. And what what we realize is by using this word holy, we are stepping ourselves into a entirely foreign concept to yes. us in modern day America. Um, we, we think of holiness in, in very odd ways, but biblically speaking, holy meant separation. Yes. And when we think of the holy, 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 when we think of the, the place of God's dwelling, that is something that is so separate from our reality that we can barely grasp it. And so as we get a little glimpse or a little taste of the holiness of God, and we're more and more opened up to that panorama, that view, that that beauty. We realize that our sin is separating us from that holiness, and actually being able to see the beauty of it, right? It's sort of like if if someone were to send you a picture of the Grand Canyon, you would be you'd be awed. You'd be like, "That's amazing!" But then someone sends you a video of that Grand Canyon, and you're like, "That is even more amazing!" And finally, you get the chance to go to the edge of the precipice and look out into this vast cavern and, and, and wide painted area and just say, 
wow. Mm -hmm. And we see that sin is what is putting blinders on us. It's blocking us from seeing this beauty. And so, you know, for me, when I think of the holiness of God, one, it's how separate I am from his holiness. And it's the righteousness of Christ that is removing it. But finally, at the very end, when we are of glorified bodies, we're no longer entangled by it. Man, I just cannot wait to see that. Yeah. And, and so yeah, and that's now. that's the freedom that that's is described freedom. in the Bible, right? Uh, yes. I, I love this line from Whitney he said to at last live in a body redeemed from sin to exult yeah. in the breathtaking presence of Jesus himself with a body, mind, and a heart soaring free from any vestige of sin is the burning hope that obsesses the growing Christian's thoughts of eternity. So as we continue to think about what is to come, um, the, the wonderful hope is that you are totally transferred from uh, the domain of darkness into the domain of light where there is no sin, no, no effects. As far as the curse is found, it is eradicated and you are living in the place of which you were created to live in, in the first place. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's the idea of a paradise, right? That we finally have entered the pair, the good pastures uh, where there is no tear, there is no sin, there is no grief, there's no death uh, any longer. Those former things have passed away in in totality, right? I like how Whitney um, is quotes uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones here, and he says, The Christian has a positive desire for heaven, and therefore I ask, do you look forward to being in heaven? But more than this, what do we look forward to when we get to heaven? What is it we are desiring? Is it the rest of heaven? Is it to be free from troubles and tribulations? Is it the peace of heaven? Is it the joy of heaven? All those things are to be found there. Thank God. But that is not the thing to look forward to in heaven. It is the face of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. To stand in the very presence of God, to gaze and gaze on thee. Do we long for that? Is that heaven to us? Is that the thing we want above everything else? Mm. Oh my goodness. That, that'll make you, you can drop the mic now. Drop <laughs> the mic, throw it, throw it down. We are there. Yeah. That's to, to get more of God, right? That that's that. What is eternal life to know God? Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So that just, that pumps me up. Yeah. And you know, if you, if you were to conclude it with maybe a verse, I think uh, one that I have found incredibly helpful as I consider this is from Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 21, when he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Whitney rightly uh, expounds and says, when your treasure is in heaven, like Paul, like Jonathan Edwards, like David Brainerd, and all the other growing Christians, your heart will ache for heaven more than anything else. Um, that, I think that summarizes this chapter in a beautiful way, this heartache for what is to come because our treasure is not on this earth, but it is in Christ himself seated at the right hand of God. So how do we face this then practically, right? Um, maybe you're listening and you're like, yes, and amen. Like, I, <laughs> I want to see Jesus out, but, but how do I, 
you know, I, I'm not thinking about eternity. I'm not thinking of, you know, these things like, how do I, how do I take some practical steps to enter that space? I think the, the first one that Whitney offers is that, man, we must like Colossians three says, set our minds on the things above, um, Growing Christians take seriously as well as joyously the command to seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So when it when we talk about setting our minds on things above, there are several different ways we can approach this. And one of the most helpful ways that I think Whitney draws out is from uh, the example of the Puritan Richard Baxter. And what Richard Baxter did, because he was he dealt with a lot of physical ailment throughout his life, uh, most of his time in ministry, in fact, um, but he would carve out time to meditate on these things that are above. He would meditate on specifically on eternity. He wrote this really cool book. Um, I, I've read some aspects of it. I haven't read the whole thing, but it's called the The Saints' Everlasting Rest. And they're essentially his meditations on eternity. So what he would do was he would devote some time on a regular basis to reflect upon the coming world and the coming one. And that would encourage him, it would embolden him, it would strengthen, invigorate, illumine, ravish, and distress him, right? And it should do those things in us as well. So uh, what what what's a so we're talking about meditating, right, Matt? What's a, yeah. a practical way to execute that? We talked about regular regularly doing this. What what could that look like, Neil? You know, I, I've been thinking about this a little bit because you know we've talked about meditation a lot. We've yeah, I've read books on it. I've recommended books on it. Um, this is something that we're often kind of encouraging. And I wonder, you know, is there someone out there who just doesn't quite get what that means or what that looks like yet? Um, and so something that could be helpful would be to take one character trait of Christ uh, or God and think about it and its implications, right? So if I sit here and I say, okay, God is sovereign. All right. What is sovereignty? Okay. He's in control. He's the Lord. He's, he's overall. And then I think, well, over, over what? And then I begin to write, reflect, okay, he's over the stars. He's over the moon. But sometimes I worry that the, the oceans are going to flood the earth. Well, who's in control of that? God is in control of that. Right. And, and I just, I just reflect on all those pieces and I bring it slowly down into my own sphere well, if God is in control, if he is sovereign, what does that say about my kids when they go to school and are getting bullied? What does that say about my my drive to and from work? What does that say about my financial situation? What does that say about the news? What does that say about war in the Middle East? Right? And, and I just I reflect on who he is, and I begin to press in the truth of God into my earthly realities in my own life. Um, and I think that's what Baxter was doing in the Saints' everlasting rest as he began to work on that. Yeah, and I and I would take it one step further than uh, as well, Matt. You're 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 pressing down the attribute of God upon your everyday life, but then you're also uh, I think imagination is a wonderful exercise in meditation. Now I'm considering, and what must it be like to live? 
next to the king with the tree of life sitting in the in the square you know, like a revelation talks about under the complete control and reign of god not that it's any different but now absent from sin uh yeah. well what what is that what delight does that stir in my heart how does that increase my longings for god um so we can and Go ahead. And Neil, you know, a lot of our songs are doing that. Yes. Right. What's that song where it talks about um, ashamed? I hear my voice cry. Um, you know, so what he's getting, he's seeing Jesus crucified. And then he said, you know, ashamed. I hear my voice um, condemned or condemning him or something like that. Right. I mean, the 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 song oh, how the, deep the father's love for us I believe. yeah how deep the father's love so he's reflecting on the depth of the father's love and then uh, yeah ashamed I hear my mocking voice um, and he's placed himself with a sanctified imagination into the the area you know sometimes when you're reading through the the beatitudes and he's talking about the kingdom and you think about here I am a dirty tired day worker with stinky feet and you know can't barely make enough money or, or get enough food for my family and i'm hearing the words of jesus how would that impact me um and and just sitting in the the story and, you know this is not some kind of mystical um floating away because we're we're responding to this um yeah. in true biblical fashion um often i find myself in confession yeah. Um, as I'm meditating on this, this reality and recognizing God, I don't long for the tree of life yeah. like I should, uh, help me this day to meditate and drive around thinking about what it will look like to, uh, to eat from the, the fruit. Yeah. And I think that transitions really appropriately to the next practical step, which is, a groaning Christian purifies themselves in anticipation to see the pure one, right? So uh, by those things, those meditations draw you into confession <laughs> and to seeking the forgiveness of God and repentance. And that is the the biblical um, uh, way or lane for us to purify ourselves when we see our sin more clearly and our desire increases to be more like him then we will be quick to repentance um that that's the the mechanism that god has given us uh to you know purify your heart sinless one right um and and, and i love the end of that song that you were quoting matt where the the songwriter says this, I'll not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom. I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? Right. I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. Um, so it's not me who has right. accomplished this. Uh, it is him. And the the benefit is the crown of life has been given to us like James 1 talks about man the the word of truth has come to us and has made us his and the reward is the crown of life which we do not deserve and so because we have this now reward that we don't deserve how does that then motivate mobilize our efforts um to 
you know, to grow in holiness, to, to purify ourselves, to grow in Christ-likeness. Um, so there's and our, all... and our longings for holiness in heaven increases our appetites and pull us toward holiness now. Yes. And so we just can't wait. We have to pursue it. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, many might hear this and be like, man, you guys are always talking about sin and it's like, everything's about sin. Well, it is because we are sojourners in this world. Uh, we are dealing in the, uh, a reality of sinful flesh. And so when the Lord has redeemed your heart, you know, Galatians five says the heart or the spirit and the flesh are in opposition to one another. And that's existing inside of you. And so the, the faithful believer sees the flesh for what it is, sees the sin for what it is and wages war against it. Doesn't, doesn't delight in it, delights in the things of the spirit. And when we delight in the things of the spirit, we desire our savior more and more, our God more and more, his holiness. And that, and that's a shared attribute. And we want to not only desire him, but desire to be like him. Uh, to yeah. share in that holiness. Neil, I, I think a good way to put it would be uh, another way to put it would be that it's not so much that we're so enthralled by sin or interested in talking about sin. It's sin is preventing us from having fullness of joy and happiness in, in God. And so we want to combat that which is contributes to our greatest joy. Yeah. Right. So I kill sin in my life, not because I hate sin, but because I love Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. Just like a soldier on the battlefield fights, not because they hate the enemy, but they love what's behind them and, and their brothers to the right and left. Right. So sin is an obstacle to my joy in the Lord. And that's what I want to kill. That's what I want to get rid of. So, I yeah, would... we got to be wise. We got to know. We got to know the techniques, the tactics of the evil one. Yeah. And I would go further than saying obstacle, maybe another, you know, uh, synonym would be a hindrance. Yeah. A tangling. This is, this is an, an, an incredible hindrance and tangling and a snare to keep us from the joy, to keep us from um, our personal potential for Christ-likeness. And if we grow complacent or apathetic about those things, uh, then we you know, like I think one writer said, man, we may go into glory with the flames licking our heels. <laughs> like we, I want to run into glory. <laughs> I don't, yeah. You know, like Jonathan Owen in his prayer closet praying and then dies in there. He went, Spurgeon say he went from glory to glory, right? right. Like yeah. uh, my, my heart longs to personally to be, be as much like Christ on this earth <laughs> as I can. And my hope is that the the transfer from domain to domain is a uh, is is a little less bumpy. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of makes me think about when you get out of the uh, military, right? A lot of guys really struggle with uh, that that transition uh, period, right? right? Um, I don't want to. Uh, not that I would struggle, but I I just I want to be as ready as I can. I want to grow as much as I can. I want to delight in the right things, desire righteous things and behave in a righteous manner. Why? Because Christ has done something supernatural in my heart that has equipped me to now 
you know, join alongside what he's already doing uh, in my own personal sanctification. And I mean, I think when we think about um, uh, diagnosing our spiritual health, man, I would just challenge you. Is that your mindset? Um, Is, is that what you long for? And so if it is and praise God, stay the course, right? Um, If it's not, um, man, now's the time uh, to engage um, in your own personal holiness. Um, be- why? Because, man, this is something God commands of us, but it's also, to Matt's point, it's for your joy. And yeah. uh, if I don't know anybody who doesn't want more more joy, <laughs> right? More joy, more happiness. Yeah, more joy, more happiness. That's right. Well, that concludes uh, our time in this book. Matt and I will be setting up uh, what is to come. So we look forward to uh, walking through the next thing with you guys. In the meantime, we appreciate you listening, subscribing, and uh, liking these podcasts. Until next time, Neil and Matt, we out.